0: Hello and welcome to the Swine Disease Reporting System. This is the report uh, number 33. We're gonna cover data on uh, October of 2020. My name is Daniel Linares with Iowa State. Hello, my name is Giovanni Trevisan with Iowa State. And today we have a special guest here, Dr. Tara Donovan, Vice President of Veterinary Management with the Hanover Company. And uh, it's it's really glad to have uh, Tara here with us. Her contributions to swine population health goes much beyond the Handler system. She uh, have uh, contributed much with uh, with science here in the in the U.S. swine industry. She is a past president of the uh, American Association of Swine Veterinarians and the annual meeting, and have uh, uh, it. She always has something going on in, in terms of applied research within the company with the system vets, as well as offering. Opportunities for a number of uh, vet students who uh, do projects, uh, some summer projects with the with the system. And most recently, here pleasure also to announce that Dr. Donovan is has been nominated with the science uh, with practice award by the uh, by Iowa State. So thank you to, uh, for taking time to be with us today, Tara. Thank
1: you, Dr. Linaris. Um, and thank you as well for um, the award. I was uh, just notified and um, very humbled. Um, really have honestly a really great team of veterinarians that I work with, and they do uh, all of the work, I think, and, and, uh, uh, and um, they, they deserve accolades as well. But appreciate it very much and really enjoy working with you and your team on a lot of the projects um, in the past
0: it's our pleasure to be able to work with you look forward to keep keep having that opportunity going forward so uh so before we 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 get started here in the first page Tara, you've also uh, been serving as advisory member here of the swine disease reporting system since it, the program has been established in 2017 and so a question for you is how how do you use all the, this this data from this project to Influence your decisions, to in turn influence swine swine health and uh, welfare in the in the system.
1: Well, first off, I'm a really big fan of this report, and I think it's um, just great that uh, we're finally utilizing all of the diagnostic data that swine veterinarians, um, you know, do and get every day as we're collecting. this data. So to use it as an industry tool is really exciting for me. Um, You know, we use diagnostic data in our system every day to make decisions. And the swine disease reporting system um, allows us to see trends um, in disease prevalence in the industry compared to our farms. So Mm -hmm. I spend my time looking at our farms and what our trends are, but I don't always get to see if those are matching up with the industry. And so it's very useful. Um, just to see if we're, you know, seeing the same thing as the industry um, is seeing.
0: Benchmarking purposes. Yeah, exactly. All right, so getting started here in this, in this first page, um, Giovanni, where it reports PCR detection over time, what, what are the the highlights uh, that you want to bring forward to this, from this page?
2: A moderate increase of PERS virus of 4.6% was observed in October when compared with September, and this was mostly contributed by a substantial increase of 7% from 38 to 45% in winter marked animals. Looking these this at the regional level, PERS virus detection was above baseline levels for Minnesota, South Dakota, Iowa, Nebraska, Missouri, Illinois, and Indiana. Uh, According to the advisory group, the keeps reminds us that there is a need to improve biosecurity by contain measures in growing farms. Actions like have a clear definition between cleaning dirt lines, changing coveralls, boots when crossing those lines and planning for transportation for feed animal peep movements are highly encouraged and give a continuous reminder for the personal those working the farm on the importance to comply with Loading and the
0: unload practices are highly encouraged as well. Thank you, Giovanni. And bringing back to to Tara, and we're talking about purse detection here. Tara, what have you? How have you guys been monitoring pears in the in the breeding herds lately? And can you share some uh, some of your tips on the success factors to successfully eliminate the the virus from uh, from breeding herds. It's a complex
1: question. Sure. sure. Yeah. In in our sow herds, we monitor PERS um, by collecting processing fluids and farrowing. You know, as uh, I think most of the industry has um, adapted to that um, method for detection over the course of the last maybe three years or so. Um, depending on the status of the farm, we may collect them weekly if we are working on an elimination project or we have an active PERS. Um, uh, farm that we are wanting to know more on a week-to-week basis for procedures, or on stable farms, we're doing that collection um, monthly and, and making sure that that farm is stable based on on those diagnostics. In addition, on the sow farm side, we do monitor the health of the gilts that are going into the sow farm, and here we use rope samples. Um, we test specific ages of gilts every month, and we use this information to evaluate vaccine compliance. And then guilt acclimation programs.
0: Hmm. Oh, thank you, thank you for for sharing that. And coming back to what Giovanni shared about on, on the highlights for this page, right? This year, and same thing happened the year before, and the year prior to that. We we now see an increase in detection rate in grow animals, right? And that usually precedes what happens in the in the South Farms. So, what what do you what do you take from that uh, from that finding that uh, we in an industry keep seeing that uh, that the positivity rate in grow in grow animals precede those of South Farms and what what can we do about it How can we uh, prevent uh, that uh, per season from from coming back to the South Farms?
1: Yeah, Daniel, we, we as you mentioned, you know, you can look at the chart and see that this is a fairly consistent seasonal um, uh, event that occurs. And, you know, for us, we have mostly nurseries and finishers as opposed to wean to finish barns. And recently we focused on improving the biosecurity of our nurseries. We've mm-hmm. enhanced our training um, and our early pig care um, and training on biosecurity. We implemented um, diagnostic testing using rope samples to help us understand uh, when our nursery is infected with PERS or PED. And we started doing disease investigations in sites where we want to identify the events that occurred um, around the time of that introduction to help us learn and, and Better improve, and we're just beginning this process on the grow finish side. We've been doing it in the south farm side, and it's helped us um, really focus in on on areas and events. Um, and I'm really encouraged by the information we're learning so far on the grow finish side. As an industry, you know, an increase in uh, wean to market pig um, purrs puts added pressure on our biosecurity programs at the nurseries and the south farms. You know, my, we've all focused on transportation biosecurity. Um, by adding truck baking, drying systems in the South farm. But, you know, we haven't um, improved to that level in the grow-finish system, and I think that's an area that we need to really look into, um, as Giovanni mentioned as well and when he told us about what, what he's seeing in the results for this month. You know, if the pigs in the site are positive on the grow-finish side, then every transport vehicle that backs up to that site um, during the loadout process gets contaminated. And if we don't get those um, transport vehicles clean, they're the carrier of the infectious agent, perhaps for the next load or going to the next site. Um, in addition, you know, on a site level, w- we have to run the site um, all in, all out, or and or they have to be adequately cleaned in between groups. Otherwise, they'll be continuously positive um, and we won't break that cycle. So I think both of these... Areas require a substantial investment um, in sanitation and cleaning. And in order for us to really change that, you know, predictable grow finish seasonality, I think we need to consider that's probably the biggest risk to our sow farms is taking it back from grow finish this time of year, um, where we see our, our sow farm incidents then um, increase in, you know, January, February.
0: Goes back to biosecurity and measuring and documenting progress over time, right?
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Mm-hmm. All right. Thanks. Thanks for sharing that. Uh, moving moving forward to the next page of the report, where it shows um, also PCR detection of enteric coronaviruses. Giovanni, take us to the page. What are the highlights uh, here this month? The Detection of enteric coronavirus
2: is expected to see some increase at this time of the year, according to the predicted models. We see that Delta coronavirus has a similar detection in October when compared with September. TGE, there was no detection since August. And PED, the detection was 1.2 points lower in October when compared with September. Our advisory council did remind us that after 80 years that we have PD in the United States, many U.S. farms and the whole production systems managed to eliminate this virus and successfully kept it out with biosecurity. There are some systems that is still immunizing pigs on an ongoing basis, and practices from growing pigs as a biosecurity transport, as Dr. Donovan mentioned, should be implemented to avoid that PD spill over back to breeding herds and restart the cycle
0: again. And Tara, bringing back to you, this year, this month, if we look at the positivity rate for PED, it's uh, relatively lower compared to previous years. W- what does it mean? What a, what a, what's your take from, from this uh, PED data?
1: Well, I I hope it means that we'll see a continued decrease in sow herds as well. I think, you know, if you you have a sow herd that's positive for PED, those pigs, you know, eventually have to wean, and so you contaminate um, all of the grow finish sites really going forward. And so... Um, We we see in our system the summer months where we can get those sites that have been um, contaminated laterally to go back negative, get them cleaned up and refill them with pigs and start them off negative. Um, We continue to have negative sow herds, um, but we do have, as I mentioned, some nursery and finisher sites that get infected due to lateral introduction. Mm -hmm. And as I mentioned earlier, we started to conduct disease investigations in those nurseries and to help us start to identify the risks around those introductions, and PED is a, a bit easier than PERS, as you guys know, that you can you know detect that disease pretty quickly, and you know narrow down the the time of infection to um, you know just a week or so right mm-hmm. um, before that happens, and and really focus in on what events occurred on that site um, during that week period. So we're we're just getting started at understanding um, some of those introductions, but. Um, it's all going back to uh, biosecurity, and and you know if that, I'm excited to hear about the trend that you mentioned for the industry. Maybe that will result in less lateral int- introductions for us and for everyone else.
0: Mm-hmm. And, and Giovanni mentioned that there was no TGE RNA detected in any of the PCR since August, right, Giovanni? And that's despite it it, it has been tested, oh, roughly. Six six thousand tests since then, or yes, it's about three thousand cases per month, per month that are tested for TGE. Well, that's a uh, that's a good good sign, right? That uh, that biosecurity is really taking care of PD and uh, sorry TGE and uh, as, as Tara is, is, uh, is, is talking about further uh, working with biocontainment, biosecurity that can be achieved uh, for hopefully T- uh, PD and and Delta two, right?
1: Absolutely.
0: All right, so flipping the page here for mycoplasma hyaluronemone and detection of uh, its DNA by PCR. Giovanni, what's the take-home for mycoplasma? Mycoplasma is in the highest level of detection according to the predicted year for
2: 2020. And the Advisory Council did remind us that even though detection of mycoplasma hyaluronemone is falling expected, there are some endemic infected herds that are currently observing mycoplasma hyaluronemone-associated diseases in
0: growing animals. So, Taro, your, your take on this, there are some uh, systems that uh, decide to keep it endemic or control, some decide to eliminate. What's your experience and advice on uh, dealing, managing my, uh, mycoplasma high pneumonia in systems?
1: Yeah, our system is, um, for the most part, mycoplasma positive, um, and, uh, we do concentrate on ensuring the replacement guilts, um, are positive going into those sow herds and are exposed, um, as young as possible. Um, we, our experience would be we, we did try, um, to do a new farm stocking with mycoplasma negative animals and we, we knew we were, um, we were at risk of having some positive grow finish animals um, really close to those farms. So we did our best at trying to keep that contained. Um, unfortunately, what we saw was this time of year was when we um, we did see some of those sow farms go back positive in the GDU. So we we definitely have a seasonal um, uh, outcome or, or prevalence of mycoplasma. And I think if you're going to manage an elimination project, uh, you know, the best, the best uh, advice would be not to have any grow finish pigs near those sow farms because mm-hmm. we do know mycoplasma does travel short distances, um, you know, by the air and and just with, with a close proximity. I think it's pretty tough, especially this time of year. Um, you know, we are we would see this as uh, our grow finish, um, I guess, acute respiratory cases. We would have this type of uh, same. Um, outcome of this time of year we see more mycoplasma lesions and and some of the respiratory disease associated with that mid to late finishing
0: mm-hmm. okay well thank you and so and fr- uh, th- this is this uh, uh, this is all we had for that uh, information on monitoring pathogen detection by PCR and now this last section of the report is the disease diagnosis report where we share information on disease diagnosis as defined by the diagnosticians based on the tissues that were uh, submitted in this case here to Iowa State VDL and so Giovanni what are what are the take homes here from the disease diagnosis uh, report the disease diagnosis presents a
2: a very good amount of agents that are diagnosed in the United States though, from samples that are submitted from Iowa State video. So to monitor those, we have an algorithm to, that scans this database on the background. And based on that algorithm, we saw some increased number of diagnoses for influenza A, PERS, streptococcus rotavirus, pastorella multocida in the last six weeks. None of those was a big increase, but they were higher than expected for those weeks.
0: All right. And so, Tara, what's, what's, your, what's your vision on uh, incorporating diagnostic data, production data? How, how to integrate all those to, to help uh, decision making to influence a- animal health in a kind of uh, precision sign? Uh, management manner?
1: Daniel, I have, um, I guess, a couple examples come to mind of how we've, um, I think, maybe where we're going um, and how we're using some of this data. The first one is, you know, just looking at real-time real time uh, results and analysis. And so recently, during a large PERS elimination project, um, we were able to use PERS processing fluid testing And oral swab testing in the farrowing house to manage our weekly on farm elimination processes. And as you know, PERS McRubble procedures are essential in reducing the spread of PERS and farrowing. But adding real time data showed, uh, allowed us to show the spread within a room or from room to room, and it helped us to reinforce those processes and get better results. So our farm managers were engaged in the process they did a really excellent job of execution once they understood the dynamics of disease transmission and so i'm really proud of that accomplishment and we were able to get you know personally limited eliminated with a lot of work and diagnostic data and rapid rapid feedback um, to really fine-tune those processes so that's kind of the first real-time example that you know i wanted to talk about the other the other one um, I guess, is a little bit more of a a systems level. Um, I'm a firm believer that data can be tremendously helpful in making health decisions. And like most of the industry, we started looking critically at our antibiotic usage and correlating that back to the health status of our sow farms. And it's not surprising that the use of therapeutic antibiotics in the nurseries are a result of PERS and PED infections that set the pig up for bacterial challenges in the nursery. And so we're all concerned about the use of antibiotics and the need to make judicious judicious decisions. But if we don't control the viral epidemics, we won't be able to make a long-standing impact on the industry by reducing the use of antibiotics. And so you know, your report talks about Pers and PED and how um, they're impacting the industry. And I think you know those are two key viral um, pathogens that we see really drive the antibiotic use in our nurseries, which you know, isn't really intuitive that they're viral, but they're driving the antibiotic use. But, I mean, our data would show that clearly. And, you know, as an integrated system, we're able to use this type of data to help us make system decisions that are beneficial for the health of our herds, but that are also beneficial for, like, our product marketing and consumer, com- consumer confidence on antibiotic use.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. They, well, they, uh, that makes 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 a lot of sense, right? As you said, may sound... Com- uh, Counterintuitive to say that viral infections drive antibiotic use, but looking at the interactions that the the viral diseases have uh, with the with the bacterial ones, that makes a lot of sense. Right. Well, thank you. What, what are your final messages uh, for for our listener, li- listeners regarding what we've everything we've discussed today, Tara?
1: Well, I want to thank you, Daniel, Giovanni, Edison, for your efforts um, and for the input that you're um, giving to our industry. Fine practitioners, we continue to use um, diagnostic data and really more and more for health decisions. And I think by adding technology for even more real-time decision-making gives us the ability to um, connect the production parameters with economics, with health, and that can even be more powerful. Um it's been really fun being part of your advisory group, and I look forward to where this type of reporting and information can take us in the future. So thanks again.
0: Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank and, you. Uh, look forward to keeping in touch with you, and uh, thank you all for listening. We'll, we'll get back next month uh, with the Report 34. Thank you. Thank you.